0: There are many descriptions of God in the scriptures Uh, and I guess if we were to say, well, let's take each one of those each Sunday, we would be here uh, for a very, very long time. This evening, I want to draw your attention to how Paul describes God in verse 3 of our reading, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. At the end, he speaks of the God of all comfort. And that's our text for this evening, the God of all comfort. And you might say, well, why do Christians need the God of all comfort? We need the God of all comfort because we live in a sinful world. We need the God of all comfort because we're still living in sinful flesh. If there aren't times when we feel we let the Lord down, we need to run to him. We need that comfort. We need the God of all comfort when we look across the world. We see those horrific pictures of warfare. We also see some horrific pictures in our own country of what people are doing to people who are Jewish. We need God of all comfort when we experience the trials of life. Some of you have lost loved ones. You needed to know and still need to know the God of all comfort. We need reminding that bad things do happen to believers as well as others. God used this title a number of times in scripture, particularly in the Old Testament, uh, speaking of his people Israel, comes out a number of times in the book of Isaiah, comfort ye, comfort ye my people, uh, and such phrases. It's also, of course, the title given to God the Holy Spirit in the New Testament and it is often God the Comforter who comes to us in times where we need that comfort. When our children were younger, at least one of them, may have been more, had a comfort blanket and uh, I can remember losing it once in Paris and uh, we had to get another one quick. And I seem to remember the way you wean them off a comfort blanket is you make it a bit smaller, then a bit smaller, until there's really not much left, but it still counts as a comfort blanket. And, you know, they wouldn't go anywhere without the comfort blanket. I wonder if we ever think of the God of all comfort like that. Not like a blanket as such, but we wouldn't dare go anywhere without him. We hang on to him as tightly as our children hang on to their blanket a little bit of context then before we get any further Paul is writing to the church at Corinth Corinth was a troubled church often were as you read through the two letters that he wrote you'll see that and at this time it was racked by division some had begun attacking Paul's character and uh, his credentials and were really asserting well who is Paul what right has he got to to say these things to us uh And Paul wrote this letter, among other things, to defend himself and to defend his apostleship. And some at Corinth had caused Paul much sorrow at different times and uh, elsewhere, particularly when he was in Asia. And uh, Paul says that he found help from the God of all comfort. Uh, And in fact, whatever his trial was, and we're not told here what it was, but he says in verse 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch we despaired even of our lives. So whatever his problem was, it was big stuff, and they were uh, frightened, as it were, for their lives. The word comfort here, in the original language that was used, means to come alongside to strengthen God is far more than a comfort blanket if the children were able to understand that this is a piece of silk or it's a piece of wool that's all it is there's nothing in it you're just hanging on to it something in your mind says if you grasp hold of this you get comfort it's not like that with God God sustains us he is the God of the universe he is the one who has all power all resources And he strengthens us like no other is able. So why did God allow people to turn against Paul? Why do so many bad things happen to good people? Perhaps you've had a trial or difficulty uh, and you've wondered why the Lord allowed that to come into your life. Maybe you're like Asaph in the Psalms. who uh, He he said, look, my neighbours, look at their cattle. They do really well, mine don't. He said, look at their children, they really prosper. Mine don't. And he went through all the things and began to wonder, what is the virtue of being a Christian? He says, until I went into the sanctuary. Until I went into God's house and I I saw their end. I saw the difference in eternity for those who trust in God and those that don't. And all of a sudden, those feelings of almost jealousy and those feelings of, of of despair and why am I treated like this they disappeared because he realized that he was going home to glory and unless they sought the Lord the God of Israel then they certainly were not they were going to judgment so I want first of all I've got a couple of headings tonight but the first is this why does God allow bad things to happen to his people you ever wondered that why does God allow bad things to happen to us And I'll give you a number of reasons tonight. And you might want to test these because sometimes when bad stuff does happen to us, all our theology goes out the window. I I can experience that for myself. All of a sudden we begin to just think, oh, panic, or we think of ourselves, or how can I find a way out of this? But here are some reasons why God does allow bad things to happen to us. First of all, that we might be comforted in order to comfort other people. And that's a bit of a puzzle, isn't it? You say, Lord, I've got this problem so that I can help someone else. The initial reaction might be, I don't really need to help someone else, so why do I need this? But that's the context of, of the writing here. Look at verse 4. What well, he says in verse 3, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in order, in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in trouble by the same comfort that we ourselves have been comforted from God. So that's that's one sound reason there, that we are being brought into a, a, a trouble that we might be comforted by God in order that we in turn will be able to comfort others. Now for that to happen, there's certain things we need, isn't there? We need to have found comfort in God. You cannot comfort someone else unless you've been comforted. We need an attitude of heart and mind, don't we? Sometimes, you know, our our attitudes and our minds can be hardened, that we're not so keen on perhaps helping someone else. Uh, and, And we've never thought of it quite like this. We need to have fellowship with others, don't we? How do I know what your trials are? You say, well, I don't really want to be questioned or interrogated as to my life at the moment. It's not like that. If we have fellowship one with another, we will soon find what our troubles are. Have you ever asked how someone is? And sadly, they've told you. And you think, well, perhaps I wish I never asked. You get a whole load of things, don't you? But it was done in fellowship, and now you've learnt something. And now you may be able to pick something up and say, I've been there. And I found the Lord really helped me. And this is a verse that helped me. And so you can comfort someone else in that situation. But you need fellowship for that. And and don't we need the same passion that the Lord has for us in our trials? It's it's not sympathy, it's empathy, isn't it, is what we enter into here. It's not just saying, well, I'm sure that's sad, isn't it, and I feel sorry for you. It's a case of, no, I know how you feel because I have been there. And that's what the scripture is saying here that you are brought into a trial, the Lord comforts you, so you can say to someone, I've been there, and the Lord comforted me. So that's one reason why bad things happen to his people. Another is to test our faith. Peter writes in 1 Peter 1 verse 7, the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold. That's a hard one, isn't it? You know, do you want a trouble or do you want a gold nugget? You know, I'll go for the gold, please. It's it's a natural reaction, isn't it? But the scripture says that sometimes these bad things that happen to us are testing us. You know, there are a number of Old Testament examples where God tested his people. Perhaps quite a good one is in 2 Chronicles 32, where, speaking of King Hezekiah. And this is what the scripture says. It says... God left him, and Hezekiah was a godly king. God left him to try him, to test him, that he might know all that was in his heart. He said, but God knows my heart. He doesn't need to test me. He knows all about me. Yeah, but this is a bit different. God comes to test you to see what your reaction is going to be under that testing whilst God stands back. What happens then? We find a God of comfort steps in again. I suppose the most well-known example is Job, isn't he? Where his faith was tested, more than our faith will be tested. And he had comforters, didn't he? Uh, do you know what Job said? He said in 16, Job says, what miserable comforters you all are. were very honest conversations they had, weren't they? Come and call someone a miserable comforter. But Job found his comfort in the Lord. Uh, And I love these verses in Job 19. Remember where Job is, he's had all these problems, he's had all these comforters, uh, and he's lost his children, and his wife's been mocking him, etc. And uh, he says there, well, all my inward friends abhor me. Those who I loved have turned against me. My bone cleaves to my skin, to my flesh. I'm escaped by the skin of my teeth. And uh, he says, all that my words were now written that they were printed in a book, that they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. Little did he know that's really what's happened. These scriptures are more certain uh, than lead in a rock. And this is what he says in all his uh, his difficulty. this This is the comfort that God came to give him. He was able to say, I know that my Redeemer liveth and he shall stand in that latter day upon the earth. How did he know that? There'd been no revelation of resurrection as such. There'd been no revelation of a general resurrection or anything similar. And he says, though my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself. My own eyes shall behold and not another's, though my reins be consumed within me. Oh, what comfort he had. In all the the depth of his trial and distress, God comforts him with the glorious certain hope of resurrection and, and a new body when all his problems would be gone. My friends, if your faith is real, it's worth testing. And you may know in that test the comfort of all, the God of all comfort. But there's more. Why else do bad things happen to the Lord's people? Not only to test our faith, but to strengthen it. Back to 1 Peter 1 seven, the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold. We are heated, as it were, in the fire. And you put, um, I don't know what happens to all metal, of course, some just melts. But it, it, in, uh, in essence, it makes the, the iron stronger. It can bear more weight. And the Lord's people are strengthened in the heat of trials. And it's the Lord's will that we be spiritually strong in the fire. And in the fire, we will find the God of all comfort, just like they did in the fiery furnace. And James gives us some of the most testing words in scripture, doesn't it? When he says, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations. That's a hard one, isn't it? Count it all joy. Lord, I've got another problem, but I'm so happy. It's not quite what he means, is it? He means that when we go into these trials, count it as something that God has allowed to come into your life and maybe it's to strengthen your faith. And why did he write that? Well, this is what he says. Knowing that the testing or trying of your faith works patience. Let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect or mature and wanting nothing. In other words trials strengthen us to maturity and that's what we're meant to be isn't it as we get older in the Christian life we are meant to be mature Christians but there's more why do bad things happen to his people to pull us away from the world and draw us closer to him how we respond to trials and even in the chastening of the Lord reveals the state of our hearts doesn't it if we rebel against him as soon as something happens, or the Lord gives us a passage of scripture that says you, you ought not to do that, our first reaction should be to run to the Lord, not to try and map our own way out. You know, Moses found himself in a pickle, and we read in Hebrews 11 that by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a while or for a season. He made the right choice. When under affliction, he could choose where to go. He could have a a life of of ease in, in, in royalty, as it were, and have all that he wanted, or he could suffer affliction with God's people. He chose the affliction, and it is there he found the God of all comfort. Let me give you one more here. Why do bad things happen to his people is to strengthen our hope. Romans five verse three says, "Not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also, knowing that tribulations work of patience, patience experience and experience hope. We have hope in the God of all comfort. I suspect today we don't have as much hope as our forefathers who didn't have so much of this world's goods. We've got quite a bit here, generally speaking, to keep us contented and happy. We have peace, we have sufficient in the way of food and housing and things. And I've noticed this before, but, you know, if you go back... To Probably over a hundred years now, those who would have sat in these seats, and certainly when I was down in Essex, it would have been the same in the churches there. A lot of them were agricultural workers, didn't have much money. Go back to the 1800s, and probably the only day off they had was Christmas Day. There wasn't much to look forward to here. They just got by, as it were, on their wages. And if you looked at the hymn books that they used, there's a great fat section on heaven, because that was their hope. They had little of this world's goods, but their hope was in glory to come. And in the New Testament, many believers come under persecution. Their hope was in heaven. It's the same today. What would your hope be if you was in a North Korean prison camp? Not much there, not much food. Cold when it was cold, hot when it was hot. No Bible, no fellowship. Your hope is only in God, isn't it? And in the future, that one day this would be gone and you'll be forever with the Lord. Let's never forget that the God of all comfort is our hope. Hope and comfort travel together. In Hebrews 6, we have well-known words in verse 18. We have a strong consolation of those who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that's set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the vial. Now, it's hope there is something to be grasped and it's something to steady us as an anchor does a ship. The God of all comfort strengthens our grasp upon the hope that is set before us. And my friends, isn't this our ultimate comfort? To know that all we see around us relating to sin and violence and pain and despondency let alone the issues that you may face personally that they will soon be gone when Christ appears or we are called home that's why bad things happen to good people and to happen particularly to the Lord's people that we might be comforted in order to comfort others to test our faith to strengthen our faith to pull us away from the world and closer to him And to strengthen our hope. Now secondly, think about the extent or scope of God's comfort. What does our text say? The God of all comfort. All comfort. The Lord is always there to comfort. He is able to comfort us in any of our circumstances. Unless we're in willful sin. Then we may be called to repentance. And then we will find still the God of all comfort. He will grant us the comfort of forgiveness. And if we're to know the comfort that only God can give, we have to know that he is the God of all comfort. And we have to learn his ways. And how do we find that? Paul writing to the church at Rome, says in chapter 15, verse 4, he speaks of the comfort of the scriptures in which we have hope. That's a lovely thing, how it all joins together. Uh, Ian was speaking to us this morning about the Scriptures and what they did with them in Jeremiah's time. Well, this is something for us uh, now, isn't it? That that we find comfort in the Scriptures. That's how the God of of comfort often comes to us, through the Scriptures. And by that, we have this hope that we can lay hold of, the, the ultimate hope of glory. If we don't find hope in the Bible, we won't find comfort in God we will be without hope you know sadly people try and find comfort today don't they in a bottle or in drugs or some other alternative Uh, it's sad that the role models that are put before not just young people but older people too in the media are often people that are looking for comfort in these various things and it leads to a sad end if not here then certainly in eternity Perhaps there are times when we're so stressed with a problem, we can't find a way out. Do you know this is exactly what Paul is saying here? In verse 8, where he says, <clears throat> We were pressed out of measure, above strength in so much that we despaired even of life. Where he speaks there about being despaired. It's the only time that word is used in, in the Greek in the New Testament here. And it literally means to have no outlet whatsoever. He could see no way out whatsoever. Quite often when we have a problem, we think, well, I could do this or I could do that or this might happen. But sometimes we cannot see a way out because we're so stressed. It may be through a a physical uh, condition. It could be anything, but we can't see a way out. Uh, And that probably leads us to hyper stress. And that's what Paul found himself here. He could see no way out. And then he found the God of all comfort. When you don't know a way out, God knows the way out. That's a wonderful thing. And he will lead us in that way. He is the God of all comfort. And why is he the God of all comfort? How is he the God of all comfort? Simply because he's God. That's a wonderful thing. And we have faith in what he says. You know, as in most things, God gives us, not always, but frequently, explanations. And we have one in Hebrews 2 and verse 16. Speaking of Christ, it says that he took upon himself, not the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people, for in that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, he is able to succour them that are tempted. You know, people sometimes say, "We well, don't know how I feel until you've walked a mile in my shoes. Well, God has not walked a mile in our shoes, but he has walked and lived in our flesh. He knows exactly how we feel. He not only knows our issues, but he can say, I've been there. He is the God of all comfort because he is God and because he has come and walked in our flesh. But can we not also be encouraged in that the God of all comfort is also the God of all power? His comfort comes with the backup of all the resources we'll ever need. Writes the, uh, Paul writes to the church at uh, Philippi. My God shall supply all your need. Here we are, God of all comfort. He is the God of supplying all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Wow, all the riches in glory. We can't even begin to look there. Well, we could do, but we'd be here a long while. He, he draws on all the riches. You draw on all the riches. In glory they're all there for you to draw on and sometimes we can be like the uh, poor people that got a lot of money in the bank and we live as paupers because we ain't going to the bank and yet it's all there for us and my friends why why live uh in a state of, of of christian paupery if you like when we can draw on the riches of glory and he's speaking here of uh, we're speaking here of God's comfort it's something to be grasped by faith isn't it faith that he is the god of all comfort and that he is working things for your good even when we don't see it that's faith isn't it i don't feel it i don't see it but i believe it and that's the that's the key isn't it in our loss of loved ones we have faith In that, because of what Christ has done for us, we shall meet again. That's a wonderful comfort, isn't it? And we can be comforted too in the fact that he's promised never to leave us. The God of comfort is always there. You're asleep at night, God of comfort is there. You're not thinking about him, but the God of comfort is there. You're in the midst of a problem and not yet thinking about him, but the God of comfort is there. John MacArthur tells a little story of a workman. Who was on a building project and the project got a bit behind schedule so they found themselves working through the night and uh, while on the edge of a wall a man slipped and he managed to grab hold of the edge of the wall and he hung on with both hands desperately. He screamed for help but it was dark, no one could see him and there was a lot of riveting machines. They drowned out his cries. Gradually his fingers got numb, his arms ached as he hung suspended over the street below and his fingers began to slip and at last he lost his grip and he fell. He fell three inches. There was scaffolding just below him but he didn't see it, he didn't know it was there. All that time when he was fearful, he was in fact in perfect safety. And my friends, that is like us sometimes. We we hang on sometimes when we're in an affliction. We think, I don't know what to do or whatever. If we just went to the Lord, we find he he was there all the time. The God of all comfort is there even when we're not aware. So there we are. We've seen some reasons why we're brought into trouble uh, and we've seen something of the scope uh, of God's comfort. It is all comfort. Just a little bit of closing application. First of all, Look to the God of all comfort and and praise him for his comfort. I wonder sometimes if anyone's ever come alongside you to try and comfort you and support you, and we've not exactly pushed them away, but we've resisted it a little bit. We need to learn, don't we? We all do. To accept the comfort of other believers, because that's the God of all comfort coming to you through another brother or sister. We sometimes forget the scriptures when we have a problem, uh, and as it says on the computer, we go back to the default position. And the default position is that I'm, I'm okay, I, I can manage this. And some might say, I don't really know God's comfort, but, uh, well, maybe you have pushed him away. You know, accepting God's comfort through his word and his people is not only a blessing to our souls, but it's a part of being what a Christian is about. We're here to comfort one another. You may not feel perhaps good things, but, you know, the God of all comfort is still there to lift us up when you think, well, I don't know, I'm I'm really hurt about something or in a certain condition. What did the Lord Jesus say? A bruised reed, he will not break. And a smoking flax, he won't quench it. If you feel bruised or broken tonight, the Lord will will, will receive you. He's the God of comfort to you. Psalmist says, because of thy loving kindness, so we could put the word comfort there. Because of your comfort, my experience with God in trouble is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. What a wonderful thing the psalm. He's saying there, your comfort to me in a time of of, of despair is more than life. It lifted me up. It lifted me out of my despair, gave me a reason to live and, and to go on. My lips therefore shall praise thee. And unless we go to him, we'll only have a head knowledge. So I we'll heard what the preacher said tonight, and I believe God is the God of all comfort. But we need to have it in our experience, don't we? I read of a Christian lady who had a Bible, and I don't know whether you mark your Bibles or not. Uh, but she marked her Bible, and a number of places she'd written TNT. And a friend asked what TNT meant, and she said it means tried and tested. She said, some of these verses, I knew them, but she said, until I went there, until I lent on God, and then I found that was tested. It was not only true, it was tested. So we don't just want T's in our Bible, we want T and T. It's tried and tested. Lean on the God of all comfort. But then secondly, we need to be a comfort to others, don't we? That's the immediate context of the passage. Paul had been through many trials, And even here where he despaired of all, he says, no, I found the God of all comfort. It's part of our reason for being here. It doesn't mean we're always butting in on other people's lives, but it means coming alongside in fellowship to help where we can. And then finally tonight, do you know the greatest of God's comforts? It's to know our sin forgiven. It's got to be the best, doesn't it? If you're yet to know him as your saviour, then run to him and you'll find him, the God of all comfort. To do nothing is to slide into eternity, isn't it? There is a tract, got a copy here, How to Get to Hell. Not, I wouldn't say it's a, a tract for wide use, but uh, How to Get to Hell, there it is. Nothing in it, do nothing. You don't have to do anything to go to hell, you, you, that's it, that's the, that's the default position that we're in. Without the intervention of God's grace, that's our destiny. But today is the day of salvation. Today, the God of all comfort welcomes us, doesn't he? With, with open arms, outstretched on the cross and outstretched to receive repenting sinners. We don't need to go there. We need to run to him. And that's a marvellous thing, isn't it? This is not the God who is a great ogre to us and says, you must come here or whatever. No, he, he commands all men everywhere to repent for a reason, that there is judgment coming. He is the God of all comfort. Look at him upon the cross. We were sitting around the table this morning, remembering his precious blood that he shed, the pain he went through. Why should the God who created the universe have nails put through his hands and his feet and a spear put through his side? Because he is the God of all comfort and because he loves the people. He loves sinners. And Lord, we pray that the Lord may help all of us in all of these things for his name's sake.